Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with, with her, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let me be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Something very fitting about having Claire read today's scripture. An angel comes to Mary and says, Greetings, O favored one. And the word for favor here is charis. Let me hear you guys say charis. It's, uh, it's An's daughter's name for good reason. Charis means grace. The definition of grace is unmerited favor. It's, it's to give a gift to another person who doesn't deserve it. Right away in this interaction, there's a truth about God that's being revealed. God, our God is a God who loves to bless people. He loves to give gifts to people who don't deserve it. During this Advent season, every Sunday we wanted to give a reason why Jesus coming into the world was tidings of great joy for people in different situations. And last Sunday we talked about how Jesus coming into the world was good news for all people, not just one tribe but every tribe, and not just one people group but every people group. And today... We're talking about how Jesus coming into the world is really good news for little people, for small people, for hobbits. Right away, when we consider Mary the mother of Jesus, she fits the description of small people in pretty much every way. Mary is a teenager. She's probably around the age of 14. We know that Mary is from the town of Nazareth. Now, 
you know and you've heard of the town of Nazareth, but back then, if you went to the, the city, if you went to Jerusalem, and you said, you know, I'm from Nazareth, it would be the equivalent of you walking into San Francisco and saying, I'm from Fiddletown. Real town, by the way, outside of Sacramento, same size as Nazareth, about 235. And people would say, where? Where's that? Scholars have a hard time finding written documentation about Nazareth because no one thought he was an important enough place to write about. It's a backwater town. It's very likely she's not educated because poor girls in backwater towns don't get a decent education. She probably can't read or write. Mary was probably illiterate. She's poor. She's very poor, not just because she's from Nazareth, but we know that she's poor because when um, later on, when her and Joseph go to the temple, they offer the sacrifice of a pigeon, which is the sacrifice of the poor. So when you talk about little people, Mary fits the description in pretty much every way. And so let's count and review how small Mary is. Number one, she's small in age, small in respect, small in education, small in opportunity, small in geography, small in wisdom, small in fame, small in wealth. Mary is small people. Now, I think God had a, a lot of other women that he could have chosen from, women that were more capable, women that are more qualified, with a lot going for them more than Mary had going for her. But he chooses Mary with perhaps the most important role for an ordinary human being to fulfill. She's chosen to bear and be the mother of Jesus Christ, God coming into the world. Now, why, 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 why does God choose Mary? Well, it, it certainly has to do something with Mary, and we're going to get to that. I have three qualities in Mary that we're going to unpack. But I think it has a lot to do with God. Our God is a God who favors unfavored people. Or let me put it differently. Our big God loves to choose little people. We have a big God who loves to choose little people. When, when Raina was growing up in Hong Kong, she had a maid. Uh, she had a live-in maid from the, the Philippines. And uh, when the maid came to work for the family, she was about 16 years old. 16 years old. And just to talk a little bit about the economic disparity, like the, the maid would have earned more money working for a family in Hong Kong than she would have if she was in a medical profession in her own home country. So that, that's a little bit of the economic disparity. So at 16 years old, she went to go work for Raina's family. And um, she was really young. She was really uh, gentle. And she was, like, really spiritual, too. And so she became a family member. And she befriended the family, and she would have talks with Raina's mom. One day, she confided in Raina's mom, and she said, during the nighttime, there is a man who would walk into her room. 
And Reina's mom is like, what? And she goes, yeah, there's a man who walks into my room, and he wears a very long white robe with a golden sash. And, okay, Reina's mom is, is hearing this, and she's like, oh, my gosh. You're describing Jesus Christ in Revelation, right? And, and so Lorena, the maid's name was Lorena, said, yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll come and he'll sit on my bed and we'll have long conversations. And so Reina's mom grew up in Catholic school, so she knew enough of the Bible to know this is how Jesus is described in Revelation. But Lorena hadn't read Revelation, and so she didn't know. And so Lorena stayed with the family for about 10 years, and right before she left, she said, I've been praying for your family every day, and now as I'm leaving, three of you have become Christians. Now, uh, when I heard that story, I got to tell you, I was, I was amazed, because it's been a dream of mine to have a really long conversation with Christ. But I got to say that I was at least a little bit skeptical, like, really, Right? Like, um, Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, doesn't have more important people to talk to with long conversations, and you would walk into the bedroom of a 16-year-old girl from the village. Really? I don't know, guys. I look at this story with Mary, and I'm like, actually, um, that kind of sounds like God. That pretty much sounds like something God would do. Or can it be that God revealed himself to three people in Reina's family in response to the prayers of a 16-year-old village girl. And then I read Mary's story. I'm like, yeah, that kind of sounds like something God would do too. I'm not saying it happened. But knowing God kind of sounds like it did. What does this say about what God is like? We have a big God who loves to use small people. We have an extraordinary God who loves to use ordinary people. And I don't know if you've ever felt like you're too small or too dumb, inadequate, not this enough or not that enough, or not like her or not like him. If you've ever felt small, I got good news for you. God loves to use small people. I think of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where God said to the apostle, my power is made perfect in weakness. Nobody seems to know weakness like little people. One time, my brother and my sister-in-law were going through a very dark season in their life. They were worried sick about their daughter who was diagnosed with a health condition. They were worried sick, especially my sister-in-law, her name is Michelle, and she would wake up in the morning in tears, and she would go to bed at night in tears, and so she felt abandoned by God, and it was a very dark season. And we had them over at our house, I believe it was a Christmas, during Christmas vacation, and I wanted to cheer them up, so I did my specialty, I, I, I smoked some tri-tip. It was really good. And so we're all eating around dinner, and um, and you know, people are like having, you know, seconds and they're having, you know, they're, they're eating and it, having a good time. And then out of the blue, Nathan, who is um, my, my nephew, 
uh, uh, David and Michelle's son, six years old, out of the blue, says, I had a dream last night. I saw Jesus. I'm like, um, Nathan, what did you say? He said, I, I saw Jesus. And, and Jesus said, I created Katie. And no, no, he's saying this between smacking his lips with tri-tip. He's like, I, yeah, and Jesus said, uh, I created Katie. By the way, my brother and my sister-in-law have told Nathan nothing, okay? They, he doesn't know anything about their concerns. And he goes, he says, and Jesus said, I created Katie. And then Jesus said, so don't worry, she'll be okay and then he takes another bite of his, of his meat. Now, I look at Raina, <laughs> and I look at Dave and Michelle, and I look back at Raina, and I smile a little bit. And Raina smiles back at me. And we just recognize what happened right here through the lips of a clueless, tri-tip-smacking six-year-old. The Lord of the universe was speaking. We've known God long enough to recognize how he likes to work. And it seems to us that he likes to work through the little people. He likes to speak through them. He loves them. I think he actually prefers them. There's this one time in the Bible in Matthew 18 where Jesus' disciples asked him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the greatest like, who's important in the kingdom and who's not important? And then Jesus did a funny thing. He goes into the crowd. He, he, he chooses a little child, he said, and he invites the little child to come and, and stand before the crowd. Everyone's looking at the little child as a little bit of an object lesson. And he says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. N notice that people are asking, like, who's the greatest? Jesus is not even talking about the greatest. He's saying, you actually, let's just talk about entering into the kingdom of heaven. And the way that you enter is you must enter like a child. What is a child? Jesus says, and he clarifies, whoever humbles himself like this child Little people are humble. And the scripture is very clear about this. God gives grace to the humble. In fact, if there's one thing I want you to remember from today's message, it's God gives grace to the humble. Can I hear you guys say, God gives grace to the humble. To be humble is to be small in your own eyes. I love that definition, by the way. To be humble is to be small in your own eyes. People who are small in their own eyes are best able to hear his voice. People who are big in their own eyes, not so much. It's Mary from Bethany who would drop everything to spend time with Jesus. It's John who happened to be, who happened to be the youngest, who is sitting next to Jesus, kind of like actually reclining, kind of like leaning um, upon Jesus during the Lord's Supper. It's those who want to be close to Jesus more than anything. 
No, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I know that for me, that I tend to hear the voice of the Lord most clearly when I'm feeling small. Sometimes when I'm going through a really hard time, sometimes it's when I feel beaten down, sometimes it's when I feel desperate, sometimes it's, it's when I feel like those are the times that I need Him the most. But when things are going well and and I feel pretty comfortable and self-confident and self-reliant, when I'm feeling pretty big with self-importance, those are the times where I hear God the least. So, maybe it's not so bad when things are not so good. Maybe it's a really good thing to be small. Now, we're, we're talking about, like, why does God choose Mary? And the, the first thing I want you guys to hear loud and clear is that because Mary is small people, Mary's humble. God chooses humble people. God gives grace to the humble. But there's two more qualities in little people that I want to unpack, little people like Mary. And we're going to identify these two more qualities. Here's the second thing. Mary has faith. Let me, let me go a little bit deeper. Not just faith, but Mary has childlike faith. Mary has childlike faith. Notice the story with Mary comes right after another story, and they go side by side. If you read um, for the first part in the first chapter of Luke, it tells the story of Zechariah. We covered that two weeks ago. And these stories go side by side. Notice how similar they are. The same angel, Gabriel, similar announcement that a miracle is going to take place, that a child is going to be born. But there is a difference. Zechariah is old. Mary is young. These stories are told together because the author wants you to do a little bit of compare and contrast. Zechariah, old. Mary, young. Zechariah has something that I have termed called old man faith. Let me hear you guys say old man faith. Yeah, I don't know if that term is worth repeating, but there you go. Mary's got something different. She's got childlike faith. They're both given the announcement that God's going to do a miracle, and they, all, they both have an important role to play. Zechariah responds like an old man. Mary responds like a child. Zechariah says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man. He said it himself. For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. In other words, I'm not so sure about this. When God approached Zechariah, Zechariah doubted. Zechariah was the voice of, I've never seen this before, and I've been around a long while. I don't think this can be done. He got old man faith, old man faith. But when Mary is told about God's plans, this is verse 31, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and he will be called the son of the most high. She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, on first appearance, it sounds a lot like what Zechariah said, you know, like they're objecting. But if you look at how the angel responds, it must have been said with a very different heart. I'm not objecting. I'm just asking for clarification. And look at what Mary ultimately says in response. She says, Behold, 
I, some of the most beautiful words that are offered in the scriptures, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's just beautiful. Mary is the voice of childlike faith. A child is a blank slate. A child is open and free. Nothing is impossible for kids. When my kids were small, I would do devotions with them in the car, and I would say something like, how big is God? Is he like big or is he like big? And my kids would be like, he's so big, right? And I would say, is there anything he can't do? And they would go, no way. The angel explains to Mary that nothing is impossible with God. It's going to be a virgin birth. And then it's qualified with the supernatural quality of nothing is impossible with God. And a person with childlike faith gets it. Nothing's impossible with God. Now the old man says it can't be done. And the childlike faith says, why not? The old man says, I've never seen that before. And the childlike faith says, but with God, nothing's impossible. The old man faith says, things are pretty much the same way and nothing will change. And the childlike faith says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, you better believe there is going to be some changes. Mary has childlike faith. And if that's not you, if you kind of feel like I got a little bit of old man faith in me, maybe the words of Jesus is something you can apply. Humble yourself and become like a child in humility and in faith. And you can pray. You can say, God, make me like a child in faith. Make me like Mary. Now, a uh, quick review. Three qualities in little people that God loves Three qualities in little people that perhaps is the reason why God prefers little people. Uh, number one is the quality of humility. God gives grace to the humble. Number two, uh, little people have childlike faith. And here's number three. Little people make themselves available. Realize that when Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, May it be to me as you have said. I want you to keep in mind what she was saying yes to. But really close to that is, in a sense, she was having to say no to other things. She was saying yes to getting pregnant before marriage. She was saying no to, I guess, getting pregnant after marriage. <laughs> she was saying yes to the scorn and the ridicule of town. I guess she was saying no to the kind of life that wants to be spared of that. By the way, later on when Jesus appears in his hometown, do you know what they say to Jesus about Jesus? They go, wait a second, isn't that Mary's son? Now you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say, wait a second, isn't that Joseph's son? They were making fun of him. And they never forgot. She was saying yes to the scorn and the ridicule. She was saying yes to being refugees in Egypt. She was saying no to a lot of comfort there. She was saying yes to what I think most parents would never say yes to, to one day seeing your own son be tortured and killed. And I guess she was saying no to, I don't know, outliving your own son. But I, So I want you to, to pay very special attention to a certain quality of 
Mary's availability. And I think it really comes out here, but uh, if it's okay, I want to do a little bit of demonstration. I don't know if someone can put some lights in the middle. I need a little bit of a volunteer, someone with a, a purse that's a little bit bigger. Sylvia, did you bring a purse? Oh, that is perfect. Okay. Actually, that's a little bit too big. So, uh, Christian, you got a purse? You know one has a purse? I need a purse that's not as big as that one. There you go. This is the perfect purse. Okay. Would you come up here, Yvonne? Yvonne's really good, so I, I don't normally do this, like, put people on the spot, but you shine under pressure. Okay, so here we go. No, 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 right here, right here. Here's good. Okay. All right, Yvonne, I want you to do me uh, a, a special favor, okay? But would you please do it for me because you love me and I'm your pastor, so you have to say yes, okay? What I want you to do is I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you this. I want to give you this stuffed animal. There's a little bit of history behind this stuffed animal. When my son uh, was in the womb, we thought he was going uh, to have a, a miscarriage, and uh, so we prayed out to God, and one of, someone from the, from the congregation was very loving. They came, and they gave us this stuffed animal, and we called the stuffed animal Mr. Hope. So we're going to hold on to this. It's very, it, this means a lot to us. It represents hope. And so what I want you to do is for this entire week, would you carry Mr. Hope in, this. in your purse in the this. whole time? And, and when people ask you, like, why are you doing that, you just be like, you tell the story of hope and Jesus, Okay. Okay, she's saying, she's saying, don't you just love her? She, I, she has to say yes, because everyone's looking at her. But now, now I, want you to, I want you to pay attention. This is the quality of Mary. Mary said yes. I think most of you would say yes. But here's the thing. What does Yvonne have to do in order to say yes to carrying this, uh, this wonderful stuffed animal and everything it symbolizes? She has to what? Share? No. Very practical. I'm just thinking very logistically. She's got to take her purse. She's got to unzip it. And she's got to turn it upside down and empty all the contents because this is big. Am I right? I got room. No, no, no. You're not supposed to say I got room. You're not supposed to say I got room. You got to empty it out, right? Because some things have to go. That's a quality of availability that I just want to... Mary said no to a lot of things. That, that people feel like, no, Mary, that's your, that's your right to have. You have a right to do this. You have a right to do that. You have a right. And Mary said no, so she could say yes to God's promise. Availability means I'm going to drop things to make God's purpose number one in my life. We need to hear that. Most people would say, let me see if I can cram it in. And then most people would say, actually, I don't have room for this. So I think the answer is no. Availability means a willingness to drop everything to make the priority and the promise of God your one thing. Availability is to drop everything to hold on to the one thing. Thank you, Yvonne, so much. I'm actually not going to have you do that. I know you would, and we love you for that. Thank you. I think a lot of us are willing to say yes. But can I ask you, church, are you willing to drop things in order to say yes? I think the truth is a lot of us are willing to drop what God has said in order to say yes to other things. God said, honor the Sabbath. God said, don't neglect meeting together. 
God said, make love and developing close relationships with other Christians a priority. God has invited us to spend time with him in his word on a regular basis. I can go on, but that's another sermon. Being available means that you're willing to drop. I love Mary's heart. Oh, yeah, I'm willing to drop everything so I can say yes to the promise of God. You said it. I'm available I'll make that my priority. I'll make that my everything. You got to love Mary. You got to love Mary. She made herself available. That's what small people do. They're humble. They're small in their own eyes. And God gives grace to the humble. Small people have childlike faith. God said it. It could be done. Nothing is impossible with God. And this last quality Small people make themselves available. What Mary did was a foreshadowing of her son. Jesus Christ, who was one and is one with the Father in heaven, he poured out his life and he dropped all the comforts of heaven. He emptied his heavenly bag, if you will, to make himself completely available to God. He came down in flesh and blood and he became a baby. And if that wasn't enough, as a grown man, he humbled himself to die on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. He dropped everything to obey his father. He said, I'm willing, I'm dropping it all. God, what you say, I will do no compromise. And he gave his own life. If there is anyone that is humble, if there is anyone that said God can do the impossible with childlike faith, if there is anyone who made himself available, it's Jesus And so we celebrate him who came into the world. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that Mary is such a beautiful model, beautiful model to us of availability, of humility, of someone small who's chosen by such a very big God. I thank you that she points, she foreshadows the coming of your son, I thank you for your son's beauty. I thank you for Christmas. I thank you for the church family. I thank you that now is a good time to celebrate. I thank you for your favor towards unfavored people. I thank you that you are a good, big God who loves to work through little people. In Jesus' name we pray.